Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the show. It is February 23rd. 2022, and I'm joined once again, as usual, by Kyle Clayman up in Cedar Falls, Iowa. Kyle, I don't know if you know, but we had a Groundbreaker series premiere today. Did you get a chance to see that? I did know it dropped today, and I'm stoked to see it. I'm a big Lee Kemp fan, and I'm a big Jordan Burroughs fan. To see that Jordan Burroughs is going to interview Lee Kemp is something I'm excited about. So I'm super proud of the, the work you guys did on that, and I'm excited to take a look yeah it was a lot of fun and and like seeing Jordan on the other side right usually he's the one fielding the questions obviously Uh, to see him on on the other side doing the interviewing was pretty cool and to listen to Lee Kemp's story and and hear the different parts of his life some things that I didn't know and then to see the two of them wrestle together was a lot of fun so hopefully people get a chance to check that out Um, there'll be more Groundbreakers episodes coming out in the future as well so Um, but let's get on to today's show uh, I'm going to let you introduce our guest. Our guest, Dylan Carew, he wrestled at the University of Iowa, and before that it was Iowa City West. Now he is the owner and head coach of Big Game Wrestling Club, not only in North Liberty, Iowa, but also in, I think it's Belgrade, Montana. I know there's one in Montana. Dylan, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Nice to have you uh, have me on. Appreciate it. And. Hey, I know that you love Montana. I love Montana. I don't know if Mark loves Montana, but Never been there. are you into are you into Yellowstone? This show Yellowstone. Oh, it's like my favorite thing in the entire world. It's like an addiction for me. Now I'm all into 1883. Me and my wife are all into it. We the episode on Sunday night. We were like up till two o'clock in the morning talking about it. So I'm all about it. <laughs> Who's your favorite character on that show? Uh, John Dutton, for sure. He's the man. That's kind of how, uh, I don't know, like big ranches in Montana. I got a couple friends that have them, and like their fathers are like, you know, mini John Duttons, which is kind of cool. You get to meet some of those people out in that area. And Yellowstone's, you know, loosely about the Bozeman area, you know, obviously where I lived for four years. So it's kind of cool. You see things that uh, that are there actually in real life and whatnot, you know. It's awesome. Are, are land rights a big issue? Is that a big issue in Montana? That I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't. Uh, I was young enough and didn't have enough money to even uh, consider those things. <laughs> well, you you do have two clubs. You have one in Iowa, one in Montana. I'd like to just have you lay the groundwork of your philosophy behind these clubs and what you want to accomplish. Um. Yeah. So. You know, when I was done wrestling, um, I kind of just basically thought, you know, that I was a a pretty lucky kid that I had a dad that owned a a business that was successful and I had every opportunity um, because of my dad's hard work and we wanted to provide that. And when I started the club, you know, one of the things I said was, is that we were going to do 
do it different than anybody else and provide every opportunity for every kid. You know, that's why we do the hunting stuff um, along with our wrestling. And for me, it's about, you know, winning to a certain extent, but setting these guys up the way that my dad did um, for me for the rest of their lives, that they're hopefully successful businessmen and husbands, fathers, all that kind of stuff, you know. What kind of things do you do that makes you different from other clubs throughout the country? Um, you know, one thing, you know, like I said, right off the top is, is like, you know, we, we take our kids, we own and lease a bunch of ground in Southern Iowa where we, we take our kids hunting, parents hunting. Um, there's other outdoor activities that we do through an organization called Giving Back Outdoors that we partner with. Uh, we, we take them fishing and hunting and all kinds of stuff, shed hunting um, four wheeling tons of different things. So like, it's not just completely wrestling based, but then, you know, our wrestling itself, we have, you know, two facilities, we have 13 full-time coaches. Um, no one gets paid at big game. Um, it's a nonprofit. So we, we raise the money so that we can travel. We can scholarship kids into the club. We can afford to do these different opportunities of, taking kids, you know, um, around the country that might not be able to, um, if their parents don't have the financial means and things like that. And so for me, that's probably, um, pretty unique considering a private wrestling club is like that, I guess. Dylan, did you, did you grow up hunting and, and like doing lots of outdoor activities or how, how did the idea to do this come about? So I have, um, two brothers and a sister and when we grew up my dad was landscaping wrestling and hunting and that's all we did <laughs> and so for me like i just associated the hard work of wrestling with like our free time was to go hunting and um that's what our family enjoyed and i just found a lot of good lessons you know learned in a pickup with my dad with my brothers um and then you know my friends over the years the moors the saint john's you know, all them people that, you know, they all hunted. So it was kind of a, a unique group of people that we all like to do that. I mean, shoot, we used to jump in our pickups and go pheasant hunting before school on lunch breaks, you know, any, but it was just what we did when we were down. And um, now it's, it's so much fun to take those kids. You know, we work so hard in the wrestling room, as we all know, the sport's demanding and difficult. And I have high expectations of our kids in the room. So it's nice to take them to do something that, isn't even wrestling related and get to see the smiles on their faces. Yeah. Awesome. With that, you, you have to explain the, the colors cause you're a Hawkeye. You went to the university of Iowa, but you have orange and black. You got to tell us why you came up with the orange and black and in, uh, in North Liberty. You know, it's uh, kind of by just chance, but really uh, there used to be a, a company called big game tree stands and was friends with the owner and they always had really awesome stuff. And we just, we talked to the owner about, you know, hey, could we, you know, kind of do this? Would you guys care if it even, you know, was kind of loosely get, you know, we like your, your colors and that kind of thing. And they were like, yeah, sure, go ahead and do it. And so that's kind of where it came from. And for me, I just, I don't know, I think that the black with the fluorescent orange is always pretty cool. It sticks out. Definitely. You get a lot of comments about the colors? You know, we do, especially being <laughs> from Iowa City. You know, people are 
wonder, like you said. I mean, but our landscaping company here is uh, our colors are red and gold as well, which is, you know, obviously unique. Um, I remember being a kid and Coach Gable giving my dad some crap one time about uh, our Karoo landscaping shirts being Iowa State colors. And so we made some black and gold shirts one summer. Guys all complained about it being hot. So we went back to the traditional colors. <laughs> Do you get many kids who who do this and do the wrestling part, but then go out and hunt that are new to it and that are experiencing oh, yeah. this for the first time? Or most kids done this? I would say that ninety five percent of the kids that we've taken hunting have never hunted in their lives or don't have the opportunity even to go. So, like this last year, probably I think eight kids out of the club shot their first year. Um, oh wow! And yeah, I mean it's like. You just can't imagine, like, you know when a kid wins a big wrestling match, how excited they are. Well, you should see them when they get to see a big buck or a turkey come running in for the first time and they get the opportunity to harvest an animal and they're sitting there shaking and tears start flying sometimes and the high fives and hugs and whatnot. It's pretty awesome. Kyle, have you ever shot a uh, – have you ever gone hunting? Shot one of these big I animals? Mean- no, I yeah, I was I haven't. I went squirrel hunting as a as a kid a couple times because some friends wanted me to. But I, I've heard a lot about buck fever and what that is when you're when you got a buck in your sights and, and you start shaking. Can you explain that? It's a real thing. I had one one time when I was a kid. We were chasing this big buck, and uh, I had this this buck came in, and I remember I had gotten a brand new bow. And uh, buck fever is when you get so excited that you literally start shaking and you can't stop. And some people can't pull their bow back or anything. And we were chasing this big buck when I was a kid. And it kind of happened to me where this deer came in and I couldn't pull my bow back. And then when that happened and the deer walked away, I started shaking so bad. And then I remember my dad came up and he jumped my butt about saying, you got buck fever. I can't believe that. You know what I mean? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, dad, I can't pull my bow back. He's like, you're not strong enough or what? And it turned out that the bow strings were crossed somehow from the bow shop. But that was like my only kind of story with buck fever. But I've seen kids get it when, uh, so my partner uh, invented a, a thing called turkey reaping and you kind of you use this decoy and you sit behind it and all of a sudden the turkey come running in well i've seen kids freak out and start shaking so bad when the turkey comes running in that they can't even get the gun up it just your arms the adrenaline i don't know what it is but adrenaline coming through you that is just wild that you shake so bad you know it's a pretty awesome feeling that's what it sounds like your head just like your brain just like short circuits and it's like that i want to but i can't yeah, so it's- like Exactly. It's like some people, like when they get on uh, heights or whatever, you know what I mean? Up on the side of a mountain and look down and your legs start shaking. That's kind of how it is um, that some people get it for hunting. Unique same thing, breed. Same thing happened to Kyle the first time he came to the Flow HQ. It couldn't end. There you go. <laughs> That's true. Totally true. I saw I saw Mark's banner up there and I was like, I, I don't belong here. I don't belong oh, here. Here we are. <laughs> When you get like going back to Mark's question earlier, when they get into hunting as their first time, are they hooked after that? Are they lifelong hunters? Um, I would say most of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? They, they want to go is once you get that opportunity to go 
and especially you know where we hunt in southern Iowa it's kind of like the the holy grail of deer hunting in the entire world you know it's such a unique opportunity I mean people from all around the world pay crazy amounts of money to go down there and and hunt these world-class deer and these young kids and their parents and our coaches you know we all get to go down there um, and spend time together it's a really a unique thing why was it important to combine the wrestling element which we know develops a person in a unique way but also some of the life skills and and everything that goes with it why was it important to have that formula for you for me it was because of the way that i was raised and the way that uh the kids that i grew up with were raised um for us it was always about like you got to be tough in wrestling and like we talked about it's so demanding to to be good at this sport that you know to have something that's a release is such an important thing you know i mean my dad taught me from a young age you got to know the difference between when your dad is being your dad and when he's being your coach um and then you know pablo ibasa and mark ryland and those guys you know that coached me over the years really you know helped that as well and it just it stayed important all the way through to do things with our wrestling friends that you know that we trained so hard together that you know we had to have fun together as well um that didn't include wrestling you know I, i'm a firm believer that it can't be wrestling 24 7. you got to have something else that you know you're passionate about um so that you can relax you know and that it doesn't have to be hunting it just so happens to be that i think hunting's a, an important thing you know we I told the kids the other night we took a pretty bad um in most people's eyes state finals loss um with one of our kids on saturday night and you know everybody's asking you know well what's he think what's this about blah blah, blah. i said you know we came home and me if went for a walk in the woods to look for deer antlers and i told the kids i was like you know there's something about the outdoors that just heals you you put your cell phone down, you walk outside, you get fresh air in your lungs and the sun hits your face. You forget about losing a wrestling match when you're in the outdoors, you know, that's for me, it's just, it's freedom. It's you're away from the noise of the world and you get to be in a very relaxed, raw form of what's left in this world. You have a lot of high level kids in your program, but how do we make sure that we take care of those kids that probably aren't going to go on to college or wrestle D1. How do we make sure they have a great experience in the sport that, so that they keep moving on and, and do good things? Um, I think you got to let them know that you care about them. You know, that was the other thing that we talked about in our club um, right after districts and going into state. You know, I had a bunch of our high school kids in. And, you know, like you said, we're fortunate here at Big Game to have a lot of, you know, nationally ranked kids and kids that people know their names. But there's, there's a whole nother you know, group of them, the majority of them that are kids that fall in a different category. And you got to let them know that their accomplishment is just as important. You know, we had one kid that he didn't qualify for the grade school state last year as an eighth grader. And I'll never forget the kid being dejected and just was down on himself. And he just wasn't physically mature enough at that time, was a little bit softer than the other kids. And, you know, we just talked about that to just keep working hard. And a year later, the kid qualifies for the Iowa high school state tournament as a freshman. I mean, like, you know, that accomplishment doesn't go unnoticed at big game. You know what I mean? That's something that I don't take lightly. I want to see 
the progress in those kids. And it's, it's not all about winning. It's not just about a state championship. I mean, us as wrestlers should respect everybody that does the work. Everybody works hard. You know what I mean? It's just some guys, you know, probably do a little bit more or have physical attributes. Some kids don't have that. And I think that that's an important reminder in a club. And that's why for like our club, we take every kid. It isn't that we're just going to take the best kids and we don't care about the rest. You know, we take every single kid. I don't care if you've never won a wrestling match in your life. You know what I mean? We're going to help you try to get better. Um, we, you know, those are some of the best feelings in this sport is when you get to coach a kid that wins their first wrestling match, a five-year-old or an eight-year-old. You know what I mean? We had a kid this year that his dad told me that last year that he won two matches. Well, this year he won like 25. You know what I mean? Like there's your, there's your success. It doesn't have to be a, a Fargo national title or a cadet world team. You know, you got kids that are going to fall in different categories and it's important to, to, um, let them know that you see what they're doing as well, because that's just as important as a kid like Hunter Garvin, who gets invited to all these big events. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, some kids might take a little bit longer, you know, you don't know when they're going to have their breakout moment. So you got to reward them with, uh, with positivity. As far as the hunting goes, do you ever have kids, probably kids who've never done it before that show up and just hate it? Or are, feel bad for the animals, or whatever reason they're like just not into it. Um, I've had kids that you know, what I mean, that have been on the fence about if they want to do it or not. You know what I mean? So that's you know, that's pretty standard, I guess. You know yeah. what I mean? That if a kid grows up in a family that hasn't done that, you know what I mean? And you would right. hope as an outdoorsman and, and like for me, like I appreciate those kids that have empathy for the animal because it's not about going out and killing an animal. I mean, it's, you know what I mean? There's so much that goes into that and the kid that's had a bad feeling after it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but we've had some kids that have been invited that, you know, just wasn't their thing, um, so to speak, but those kids, you know, then they get a fishing opportunity, you know, if they don't, it doesn't matter if they don't want to, you know, harvest an animal, they, they can jump on a four wheeler and, you know, have a bunch of fun slinging mud around on, on their buddies or jumping in a pond and going swimming, you know, it, there's a lot of different outdoor activities that we can do. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Kyle, when are we going to get out there and go, and go ride these four wheelers and take down some animals? I know I haven't gotten the invitation yet. I keep waiting for Dylan to reach out. Hey, you guys, I mean, you guys cool. come out whenever. We got a, our youth turkey hunt that'll be coming up here in a, in April, um, in May. That's a ton of fun when we get all those kids down there and everybody cooks and hangs out and it's pretty relaxed feeling. You guys are always more than welcome. Is it like? Do you, is there camping? You guys camp? You do uh, so we have a we have a couple houses down there, but we pull our big camper down there and have the kids stay in the camper, and uh, yeah, we grill out, and it's it's pretty fun. Yeah, it sounds awesome. I mean, Mark, it sounds like a mini flow film almost, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. There you go. You're on to something. You hunt, Mark, that'd be awesome. <laughs> not in country boys. Not that I'm a city yeah. singer, but I'm not a country boy. That's all right. We'll get yeah. you some camo and paint your face and all that kind of stuff. There you go. I ain't scared to get dirty. There you go. I got yeah. boots. Make sure that hair doesn't get in the way of your shot, though, Mark. You well, sure that... do you guys have hair gel and hair dryers down there? 
Well, yeah, somewhere we can probably find one. I can bring get my wife to hook you up. No gel. No gel for me. Now, you, you got to tell us about this facility, the Tom Lepic Complex. I, I see that in the background there. This is an amazing facility. It's world-class. How'd you guys get this built? Um, so we were at lunch one day and we knew about this building up here in North Liberty and, uh, a guy that's a, his son was actually in the wrestling club told us, he's like, Hey, that building's for sale up there still. He goes, you guys do know it has a second level in it. And he like made a joke. He was like, it'd be perfect for a wrestling room. And I was like, I looked at my dad and I was like, did you know that there was a second level? And he was like, no. So that was like, like one o'clock on a Friday by 2.30, we had gotten a meeting set up and we were in this building and I was like a kid in a candy shop. I walked in and I could just see everything, right? This has been what I'd worked hard for my whole life. Um, and what I dreamed of since I started the club was, is I wanted a facility like this. And I, I just told my dad, I was like, if we can get this, you know, I'll raise the money. I'll do the rest to get the wrestling facility done. Um, so we actually, we bought it, me, my dad, my brother, um, the building. And then I went to a guy named Tom Lepic, who has been instrumental in wrestling and in the community here in the Iowa City area um, for a long, long time. He was really close with Mark Ryland. Um, and while we were all at West High, he supported us. And so I just went and had a conversation with him and told him about, you know, my dream of big game and having a place where kids can come and train and, um, you know, to get this area to the next level. Um, so to speak, in my mind. And I just told him, I was like, you know, we, we need a little bit of help to get things really fast forward. And it was a, a pretty quick conversation. If you know Mr. Lepic, he's literally one of the most caring guys in the entire world. He told me, he stood up, gave me a hug, told me he loved me, and we were off to the races. And then me, my brother, and a few other people um, inside the club we built, uh, it's about a 13,000 foot facility with inside of our um, where our business is here. We got almost four wrestling mats. We got a, a full weight room, a full cardio room, locker rooms, sauna, um, the lot or the lounging area where I'm at with TV so we can watch flow wrestling and meets and stuff like that. Um, just hang out. We got an apparel set up here with all of our Nike stuff. It's, um, you know, we want again, wanted to do it different. And in my mind, this was the first facility in the state of Iowa. Um, it's definitely, you know, probably the nicest. Um, and we aim to continue to build that. We want to have the nicest facilities in the country. You had me at sauna. There you go. Yeah, you should see this thing. <laughs> that was the most important part. Kyle's seen it. It's big. It's nice. It's and big. it gets super hot. <laughs> That's what it's supposed to do. Yeah. With it being a nonprofit and you said no kid gets left behind, of course, there's there's expenses. You got to pay the utility bills. There's things that come with it. How does that get paid for? So we have a we have a banquet every year. Um, and this year it's June 10th. Um, and we raise all the money for the entire year in one night. Um, wow. Last year we had about 500 people there. Um, we give away guns and hunting trips and wrestling memorabilia and all kinds of stuff. I mean, four-wheeler last year in elk hunt in New Mexico. We've given away mountain lion hunts, fishing trips in Montana, Alaska, all over. Um, and we just 
you know, with our businesses here in the Iowa City area and how much people love wrestling in the state of Iowa, we're lucky that we get a group of people that will come. I mean, to 500 people to come to a kids wrestling club. I mean, Amazing. there's colleges that would love to have the support that we have. Um, and we feel for that um, with our community support to be able to raise that kind of money in one night is incredible. You know, and we, we have some long-term goals of to to continue that and upgrade even. Not sure a lot of people know this, but your brother-in-law is TJ Seabolt, who owns Seabolt Wrestling Academy in Jefferson, Iowa. So you have a big one in North Liberty. He has one in Jefferson. How do you guys work together to come up with ideas and advance wrestling in the state? Um, you know, we've talked uh, quite a bit. Basically, it's just to keep competing against each other and to make our clubs as tough as we can um, while continuing to, you know, make sure everybody understands that we are family and we get along. That's, you know, that's always the, the question that people are like, well, how does that work? Right. <laughs> they want to, they think that there's this big, you know, rivalry. Well, there's not, you know what I mean? It's just that we, we want to win. TJ wants to win. Um, you know, we've talked about doing some things together, um, some dual teams, uh, stuff like that. It's just, you know, train the best kids we can compete hard and uh, we'll see what happens, you know, who comes out on top. But I, I know that TJ makes the state of Iowa a lot better. He made our club better. Um, he sets the tone for, you know, a lot of things that need to be done um, with good hard wrestling. And uh, we're really appreciative to get a compete against Seabolt. And I'm appreciative to have him as a brother-in-law because he makes me better as well. Having an opportunity to watch the interviews and be part of the interviews at the Iowa State Tournament, there was a trend there of thanking the club coaches. You had a lot of guys that were state champions, and so did TJ. How has club wrestling influenced high school wrestling and put it on a different trajectory? It's, it's incredible. You look at the state of Iowa right now and how many great clubs there are. You know, it's It's remarkable. You know, because I remember when I was young, you know, I started in what I consider the first real kids wrestling club in the state of Iowa, which was Pablo Ibasa's club. And you look at all the coaches in Iowa that have clubs, well, most of them wrestled for Pablo. Pablo is kind of like the Dan Gable of kids wrestling. When you look at across the state of Iowa and even across the country, how many guys wrestled for Pablo that now have their own clubs or have had their own clubs, it's brought the level of wrestling up really high. Now, one thing that I think that's helped the state of Iowa in the last few years is, you know, like when I moved back to Iowa City, there's 10 clubs right in this area. You know, maybe that's too much. So I think, you know, that the the dominance of a few clubs taking over some areas has helped um, with the level of wrestling, getting more kids in the same clubs has been a big deal and having the high level coaches come back to the club wrestling. And then, you know, you can't underestimate like the college coaches helping the clubs as well. You know what I mean? Cause they, they benefit from it. And those guys, you know, being able to come in and recruit and help clubs, it, it makes wrestling such a, an important detail in a lot of these kids lives, you know, um, and the little kids, you know, they just, they learn to love it you know, more than just uh, being in a school club where it's three months a year, 
you know, they get to, they get to be in these wrestling rooms year round. They have facilities that they can hang out at. You know what I mean? Like in our wrestling room, when there's kids here almost nonstop during the day, people coming in and out and on the weekends, kids hanging out, playing video games and stuff like that. It's, it's a retreat for them, you know, and I think it helps kids love wrestling a lot more. And, you know, when you build a relationship with your club coach um, to the point of where it's, it really is like a a friend or, you know, a family member um, when it's all said and done, you got to think, you know, most of these kids start with us, you know, between five years old and 10, well, they're going to spend 10 years plus with you by the time it's all said and done um, you've spent their entire lives with them. And that's why, you know, as a club coach, you have to be careful about a lot of things that you say to these kids and the way that you act and whatnot, because you're influencing a young kid's life. And that's Mm -hmm. not an insignificant detail to tell an eight year old how he should act um, and carry himself, you know, because you're shaping the rest of their life as well. You're helping mold, their brain you know what i mean and you mm-hmm. got to do that in respect to their parents as well you know because there's there's wrestling and then there's life and you know we try to do a, a balance of that and i think that that's part of what has grown wrestling in the state of iowa i mean you look at a kid like wyatt volker and you walk around the, the state tournament and hear what people say about him he's a great wrestler but he's learned some life skills from you know, his club, from his community, from his high school coaches and his parents that are very, very important. How do you, what, what's your, ta- you know, your, not your take on parents. How do you handle parents? And there's lots of different types of parents, right? There's the ones who are a little too involved. There's maybe the ones who aren't involved enough. There's the ones that say, take my kid, whatever. You got to not rough them up, right? You got to yell at them or discipline them. You can do it. And um, I don't know, like, are parents allowed in the room? Is there an overall philosophy with you and, and or your club on on how to handle or deal with parents or the the, the best way to? So we, uh, I again, like growing up in a club, I seen like our parents were allowed to sit in there. I seen some crazy things happen. Right. Parent, you know, coaching from the side and things like that. Kids getting screamed at, like, you know, I mean, all the wild stuff, right? right. And our club here, Um, I have a zero tolerance for, you know, anything that is out of line, you know, parents are yelling at their kid because they got scored on, you know, you're gone. See ya. You know what I mean? But like you you brought your kid to us for a reason. So let us coach. Right. But with the same token, you know, and I might, you know, probably upset some people with this is, is like, if you're charging someone for a service, they should be allowed to be in the room is my opinion. Um, they should get to see it. You know what I mean? Like I don't go to someone's house and do a landscaping job and then tell them they can't look at it. You know what I mean? That's, that's kind of crazy to me, but with that comes a respect from the parents have to understand to, to be quiet and to do their thing as well. And, you know, actually it's funny because TJ had did an interview a while ago that I heard him say something that I thought was really good. He said, the only thing that your parents allowed to um, judge during a practice is their effort. Don't keep score. I mean, that's the biggest thing. Like I saw when I was a kid and even now I see some of our parents, I see them like cringe when they're watching their kids. And I'm just like, I just start laughing. I mean, and if you knew me better, you would understand. Like I just call it how I see it, especially in practice. I'll make fun of parents and stuff and be like, dude, chill out. Your kid gave up a takedown. He didn't lose the Olympics. tonight. (laughs) You know what I mean? 
Right, exactly. Like stuff like that. But, you know, the other thing that I think that helps of having the parents in the room. All right. We have a big club. We have lots of coaches. There's still kids that every once in a while you you miss. You can't get to the back gym. You can't go to the to the Sunday tournament um, in Tiffin, Iowa or something. You know what I mean? Where those parents need to know how to communicate to their kids is being taught in here. You know what I mean? Some people call you know, a move one thing, you know, a big game, we, we call things a lot of different um, things. And that's kind of, you know, a coaching tactic, if you will. But, you know, I want my parents to understand why we call a move something or what we call something so that they can help their kids if in the event that we're not there. I think it's important. Absolutely. You mentioned some of the names that one state, and it's interesting because it's not just Iowa City West or the Iowa City area. You had Linmar, you had Iowa City West, you had West Delaware. How do you get such a diverse range of people to come to your club? Um, you know, I think that it's been a lifetime of growing up in the state of Iowa and being, you know, a, a, a passionate person about wrestling and a, a community member. You know, I, I was so fortunate to be involved with Mark Ryland for as long as what I was, um, that he helped me build this network and my dad and Pablo and all these guys that I know people from all over the state. And we're just lucky that um, I have relationships and communities where people trust what we're doing and believe in what we're doing. You know, there's kids that drive a couple hours every single night to work wow. out here. And that's a, again, that's a, a very, very difficult thing for some people to do but you know when people are putting that kind of effort in you got to give it back as a coach too I mean that's where you, you understand what it means to someone that's doing that and you know again it's not insignificant to to be in that kid's corner when they care about it that much you've mentioned Marv, Mark Ryland often and I think it's worth pausing here to to talk more about him he passed away recently he was the water or the, excuse me the Iowa City West head coach 1991 NCAA champion for Iowa what was he all about what did he bring to your career and your life uh Mark Ryland was instrumental i mean to to the state of Iowa um to Iowa City to the University of Iowa to USA wrestling on the national level. I mean, obviously we all understand that what Mark taught all of us was confidence. And that's a big thing that we talk about in our room. And, um, you know, it's a, it's an emotional topic for me, um, for being Mark's probably the closest person that's ever died to me personally. Um, and so I've had a lot of time to reflect here recently and I, I'm, I'm super lucky because Coach Ryland took us in at a young age um, and we got to learn from him for so long that I learned how to be a competitor. I learned how to be a confident person around him. Um, and then I learned how to be a coach. You know, I, I would have to say that probably the two most influential people in my coaching career are Doug Schwab and Mark Ryland, that I've had more conversations with those two guys about how to coach and you know, me and Coach Ryland had a conversation right before he passed. That was probably the most profound conversation that me and him ever had. And it was him reflecting on um, some things that he said and did and to with us back in the day that he said he didn't understand why he did it. And it, it kind of shaped us into being these um, hardcore guys that, you know what I mean, that 
you know, winning wasn't just enough. You wanted to dominate and do all these things. And he just kind of talked to me about, you know, like, you know, do what you're doing, like with the hunting and the wrestling club and like, make it fun. He's like, because eventually you are going to be 30 and you're going to be sitting here talking to your high school wrestling coach in your gym. And he's like, you want to, you want to have good feelings about everything. You know, he just, he kind of came full circle in a lot of senses. You know, he was a manager of us boys for a long time. And, you know, he really ended up being more like a, a second dad to a lot of us. And we just, you know, it, it, he's gone way too soon, but we were just super fortunate. Anybody that really knows how close we were with Mark, that we were like his sons. He didn't have kids of his own. We were his boys. And that's why, you know, we all kind of joke around about the West High Bad Boys thing. Um, and Mark started that. I mean, he was the original West High Bad Boy. He taught us how to do it, right? I never understood Mark Ryland's personality. Would you fill us in on, on who he was? And, and you kind of had a quirky sense of humor, but explain his personality if you can. Oh, man, I don't even know. If, I mean, depends on how much time we have, right? <laughs> Mark was such a, a unique guy. I think the main thing was is that people sometimes perceive Mark, especially when we were winning so much at West High and we had these you know top 10, top five national teams and kids were moving in and stuff. People like loved to hate him at that time because he was quiet and he walked in a certain way, you know, that people took as arrogant. What they didn't understand was, is that Mark was like the most caring guy in the entire world. Like he cared about his athletes so much. I mean, that he drove, the guy owned his own business and would drive us all across the country just as, you know, I mean, just to help us. Like, that's the main thing that that kind of guy was. Now, what that said is he had this wild sense of humor that most people don't understand was is like him being like kind of mean was the way that he messed with us. And there's just like the most famous thing like that most people don't know about. And you have to talk to the guys my age is the ring, right? It's like when you started messing with Mark and he didn't like wrestle you back. He just had this state championship ring and you get one right on the top of the head. And like, that's like Mark, like messing with you. You know what I mean? Is to walk up and knock you on the head with his ring and uh, watch you hurt a little bit. You know what I mean? That was kind of him messing with us and, but making us tougher and all kinds of stuff. I mean, he just, he was radiant, you know, in a lot of ways and infectious to be around just with his confidence and, you know, being a legend in the sport of wrestling as a national champion for Iowa and then the leader of USA Wrestling. And then look at how high he went in the national ranks of USA Wrestling. You know, I always tell people, I thought, you know, before he passed, I was like, Mark will be the president of USA Wrestling someday. You know what I mean? And I took a lot of pride in that because, you know, um, I've got myself into some situations at wrestling tournaments where, you know, I probably could have got red carded or something. I'm like, well, if I do, Ryan will get me out of it. <laughs> oh, that's great. I'm glad we get to end on talking about Mark Ryland. Before we let you go, we have a game called Sweat It Out. I have five questions. I'm hoping to make you sweat like yep. your sauna. You ready <laughs> to play? Yes, right, sir. Number one, who wrote the song like a rolling stone and made it famous? Ooh. I don't know, Mick Jagger. I don't know. Bob Dylan. There you go. <laughs> Bob Dylan. Our first miss of the week, yeah, Kyle. Yeah, probably watching this, sitting in his office. Like, he should have known that. <laughs> uh, 
All right, number two, what Major League Baseball player had 3,053 career hits with the Minnesota Twins and the California Angels? Rod Carew. Yep. Man, <laughs> I'm going to stump you on that. All right. I think this this is I, – I threw this in just to be really tough, but we'll see. What American actor earned a Golden Globe for his role in the television show The Practice and was the narrator for the 2002 ESPN series called The Season about Iowa Hawkeye wrestling? Oh, man. I love that. The season's like the coolest thing in the entire amazing. world, right? It was great. I'm yes. trying to think of the voice and who it is. Um I don't know, I guess, off the top of my head. His name is Dylan McDermott. Huh. I like the theme, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> but you got the Dylans wrong. Both yeah, Dylans I know. Are wrong. All right. All right. Uh, number four, who is the name the only D1 head wrestling coach from Montana? Brandon Agam. Great guy. Yep. Yep. And number five, who is the only Iowa football player to win defensive player of the year in the NFL? Say it again. Okay. Who is the only Iowa football player to win NFL defensive player of the year? Mm. Aaron Campman or Jared DeVries? Nope. Bob Sanders. Huh. All right. Yeah. He was from when I was a kid. He was a yeah. safety, right? He was a bad dude. He was a safety. Yeah, he was he was tough. I ratcheted it up a little bit. They said the, the questions I was just this gonna, week were a little too easy. I was gonna use the same word. You ratcheted it up. We our first two guests this week went five for five, and at the end of the show yesterday we said, Kyle, you gotta make it a little tougher next time, of course. Don't don't dare Kyle because <laughs> I apologize, Dylan. I, I it would have made more sense, Kyle, Kyle half the time he sits in, in a in a instead of a Larry Bird jersey in the background there's a bob dylan poster so it would have made sense oh, yeah. you, to, you know lead lead a horse to water like show him yeah subliminally that's the only reason i got the rod crew i probably would have guessed pete rose before that but <laughs> yeah i helped him on that yeah. yeah yeah well this has been great man um um okay one, one more game dylan you got you got a minute yep yep okay this is called wins and whoopings all right, so if you All think right. back over the span of your career, we're looking for one win that stands out as memorable, your favorite win, your best win, comeback overtime victory in fourth grade. I don't care what it is. Um, and then one loss that really we're looking for, like, stories of getting your ass kicked, right? Everybody's taken one, at least a whooping. Everybody's got probably multiple whoopings. But one time you wrestled somebody and they kicked your ass so bad, you came off the mat and you just thought, what happened? Is this real life? And then one win that sticks out as memorable. This can be from any point in your entire wrestling career. You can answer either one first. Um, you know, the losses obviously stick out a lot. Everybody says anything. that. <laughs> you know, I think if you're a true competitor, you expect to win, right? So you don't want to – you want to act like you've been there before. You know, right. I won Fargo a couple times. That was in, incredible. Um, and state, you know, winning an Iowa high school state title and standing up there getting a smile that's pretty awesome there was a win when i was in eighth grade i know how crazy this sounds but i beat a kid in tulsa that i you know wasn't sure maybe that i was in his league and when i beat this kid uh that kind of really started a lot of really good things for me um Mm -hmm. and i've talked about that before in my club that you know you just don't know when that's going to happen for me it was this 
this win in eighth grade that I remember that all of a sudden I thought I was the guy, right? Like all the time. I never, you mean, I never expected to let, I knew I was in for a formidable fight with this kid and he took me down a couple times right away, uh, maybe three times. And all of a sudden I saw him get tired and um, he was from Oklahoma. I'm from Iowa. So it was like this big deal. Right. Yeah. And I ended up beating him and, I just remember my dad telling me, he's like, well, now you can beat anyone because this kid had won Tulsa like all these times. I mean, that was pretty awesome. Um, um, on the mat or do you want practice room? I mean, we, we, which, whatever is more memorable, you can do either. Uh, practice room, Montel Marion, when I was a freshman at Iowa, was one of the wildest stories slash beatings I've taken. I remember Montel was a lot older than me. I'm a true freshman, just came off of ACL surgery. And I go out to wrestle him and I take him down, might even have thrown him to his back, but I scored a bunch of points right away. Well, those were the only points I scored <laughs> because Montel got up and I was tired already. And Montel, that guy had a gas tank. He could just go and go and go. And he was the kind of guy that always be like, one more takedown, one more takedown. Well, that happened, and I was like, I remember leaving that day going, I'm never letting that happen again. Well, the next day I walked in, and I was like, all right, Montel, we're going again. And the next day was a lot um, more formidable, but it ended in a fist fight. So it was kind of <laughs> not a short one. It was like a 15-minute one intervention <laughs> of coaches and all kinds of stuff. Um, the coaches made me walk out basically hand in hand with Montel. And I remember we got up to the parking lot upstairs and I'm like, all right, we're going to fight again. And, you know, it all stemmed from this beating I took the day before. And I remember getting upstairs and Montel reaching his hand out and going, all right, man, I'll see you tomorrow. And I was like, oh, that was kind of cool. You know what I mean? Because I was so <laughs> upset about the beating he gave me the day before. I was still ready to fight, you know, <laughs> He's well, like, and I've never been shy of that. But, and then I guess the only – the competition loss that I you know strikes me right now, I guess, was Fargo Finals, Dylan Alton. It was when they had three periods, um, and I outscored him, and he won the match. And I just – I remember telling Ryland, like, this is dumb. Like, how do you outscore someone by, like, triple the amount of points and lose the match? This, um, so those ones were, you know, that's the match and the practice, you know, I guess. Yeah. That's cool. And Montel's like, hey, we got a whole year. All right, we don't need to fight you in the bucket. Like, let's, oh, yeah, we'll yeah. do it again tomorrow and the next day and the right. next day. And that's the thing. He was an older guy. and But what was funny and, like, you know, um, and great about Montel at that time was is that I got his respect, right? I was just this little freshman, and but I wasn't scared to fist fight him. I wasn't scared to fist fight anybody. It yeah. was just, you know, I had to do it to get his respect. And I came back a couple of days in a row, and the next thing you know, we were – me and Montel were pretty good buddies in college. You know, he's a, a pretty solid guy. That's great. That's great, man. And it's been awesome hearing, hearing the stories about your club and the ties to hunting and, and the, the, the building and the second floor and seeing it, everything. And um, I just really appreciate you coming on here and chatting with us, but we want to give you the final word. If there's anything you want to say about anything before we let you move on with your day. Um, you know, I just appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, you know, I was lucky enough to get to go to who's number one this year. That was a great event. I um, appreciate you guys supporting our club by having kids from big game come there and uh, just look forward to everything that you guys do. Appreciate it. Awesome, man. Well, thank you, Dylan. Have a great day and the best of luck to you and your club in the future. All right. Thanks, gentlemen. Thank you. All right, Kyle, we got to get you suited up. 
get a gun in your hand or a bow. Would you rather go? Would you rather shoot or bow hunt? Bow hunting for sure. Bow hunting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, seems, yeah, that sounds more fun. Seems like it would be a lot harder. Oh, I, I would be. No doubt about it, but there's something fascinating about it. I'd like for us to go down there. I'd like to see you out on a hunt there with a big game hunting in southern Iowa. I think it'd be great. Film you doing it. I'm in. Let's find a time, make it happen. Bandana around my head, camo, war paint. There you go. I think the closest I've done is like paintballing. It's about. It's like the same thing, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly the same thing. Sure. All right. Well, cool. This has been a lot of fun, uh, but that's going to do it for today. Thanks so much for tuning in, folks. Uh, For Kyle Klingman, I'm Mark Bader. We'll see you next time.